Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Association Rockstars, where you hear about the journey and insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. I'm your host, Lowell Applebaum, CEO of Vistacova, where we partner with organizations on strategy, facilitation, and governance. And I'm very excited to have with me today Hassana Hal, CAE. Hassana is the Chief Experience and Engagement Officer of the American Physical Society with a mission to advance and diffuse the knowledge of physics. She comes to APS with 17 years of nonprofit executive experience. And as CXO, Hassana oversees communications, marketing, and membership engagement activities to deliver a consistent and compelling experience to members and the global physics community. A self-described scientist with a heart, Hassana has a BS in microbiology from North Carolina State University and is bilingual in Spanish and English. She is well-traveled and has lived or worked in 16 countries, 16, <laughs> across North America, South America, Europe, the Middle East, Asia, and Africa, and is coming to you live today with us here at Rockstars. Hi, Asana. We're so happy to have you with us. Thank you so much, Lowell. It's a pleasure, a pleasure to be here, and I'm actually live streaming from Virginia today because you mentioned 16 countries, so you never know where I'll be in the world. <laughs> Well, I know, I know some people who live in Maryland who think Virginia is another country, so we'll take it. I mean, technically it is, I guess. <laughs> we, uh, we always like to start these conversations in a similar format by asking are the rock stars that we have, as you think about the strengths that you bring to the table, right? I mean, that you've been able to grow or demonstrate throughout your career. What is one of your strengths, one of your superpowers that you think has really helped you along the way? Well, that's a really hard question, and um, I think a good exercise. I've asked my, you know, friends and colleagues what what they thought. And I'm just curious, and you know, I got some themes like, you know, your positivity, your humor, authenticity was a few. Um, but my favorite one, if I'd had to choose one, is that uh, my superpower is I help others find their own, and I see people's value before they see it in themselves. Oftentimes, so. That's that's where I like to align my brand and where I am with my career now. But um, you've known me for a long time. What do you think is my uh, power? I, you know, I've found that no matter who it is that comes up to you, I've been amazed at how you've always been able to not just have a conversation with anyone, but to make them feel welcome. Mm -hmm. I remember one of the first times we met was actually must have been, I don't know if it was a decade ago, but it was years ago. Uh, and I actually introduced to you on a trade show floor. And trade show floors are not very friendly places always. Uh, <laughs> and it was it was a pleasure to watch you interact with just so many different people, treating each with like respect and interest and positivity. And so I think that actually echoes a little bit uh, some of what your colleagues and friends say. Is that something you feel like has always been in you or something that's grown, if you will, over the course of your career? Um, I think grown and, and, you know, you mentioned at the top of the call that I've, you know, lived and worked in 16 countries around the world. And, um, you know, when you, when you face those challenges, oftentimes you feel alone, <laughs> your family is where you're, you know, you're closest to, and, um, you're, you, you're faced to be agile to, uh, you, you kind of have to exercise those skills, even if you're an introvert and, um, make those connections easy. And I think I built that over time, but I do have parents that kind of have these strengths. And so I, I'd like to give them credit as well, because, um, you know, I've seen my mom just be able to connect with anyone and, and make them feel special. And it 
it didn't matter who they were, what their background is. Um, so she inspires me. And I know she helped shape my dad too over time. He's a, he's a guy from Rochester, New York. And, you know, he, he calls himself medio Latino, even though he's a white guy from Rochester, New York. And, um, and he, he is the same way. Now they're both retired and, and they can pretty much connect with anybody. And I think it's just about listening, hearing about people's story, having that appreciative inquiry. And I'm fascinated about learning about new perspectives. And um, I think it helps me grow as a human being. It, I think it demonstrates kindness and um, and, you know, my mom has always done that. And I've seen that in my father, too. So um, it's a combination of many things. So, yeah. You know, the it doesn't surprise me that you've become a CXO, a chief experience officer, because what you're talking about right, in terms of creating experiences has so much of the dynamics and the elements you're talking about. Uh, early on, how, how did you first find your way into the association landscape? Yeah, I mean, that's a funny question. And I used to say that I fell into the nonprofit world by accident. Um, you know, believe it or not, I started out at the Parental Drug Association and I responded to a Craigslist ad because I was in Washington, D.C. Um, my parents have, I was very privileged, they supported me and um, supported me for my undergrad degree. As you mentioned, I have a BS in microbiology. But after that, they said, you're on your own. Good luck. <laughs> My dream and passion was to go to DC and, you know, continue my education, but it's an expensive city. So, you know, I needed a job, applied, was on a Craigslist ad. Um, you know, I was lucky that they accepted me and, you know, I took an entry level job um, there. And, um, you know, I think what I realized over time is that it's not an accident. And Wanda Kofi from ASAE, uh, shared this with us at a volunteer retreat is it's really your calling and purpose. And you learn that as you start investing into the organization and learning about the community and how passionate people are. Because if you think about it, you're, you're driven by volunteers in a lot of professional societies, and they're doing this on top of, you know, their full-time jobs, their families and other competing priorities. Netflix is a competitor for their time, but they really have an emotional connection because they're all driven by that mission and that North star. So I'll give you an example you know, I didn't know anything about nonprofits. When you, this is a common thing. People outside of nonprofits ask, what do you do for your living? How hard is it to explain to a nonprofit, uh, uh, a non-person who's not part of that world or has volunteered or really understands it? And when I thought about the principle of it, um, you know, one of my coworkers, we had a bring your kid, uh, kid to work day. Mm. And he had a toddler and his name was Jason Brown. He said, I really know, don't know how to explain to my son what I do for a living. And so at the time, as I said, I, I was at the Parental Drug Association and our mission was to, you know, advance science, connect people. But really, it was a community of professionals in industry who produce life saving drugs. They manufacture them to save lives, you know, for many different yeah. um, therapies. And so I, I thought about it for a few seconds and I have that sales lens. You know, you mentioned I'm a connector. I connect with people and I'm always trying to figure out how to message it for the audience. And so I thought about his son and I said, well, just tell them we're a superhero because they're saving lives. We support that community. So in his mind, we're a superhero because we save lives. And if you think about it in that context, um, that's really powerful. And that's when I finally clicked in my brain where we're doing something more than just the day-to-day. -day. We're, we're helping make the world a better place. We're helping to scale up good. And we're doing it with a community of people who are all driven by that same North Star and I think that's a powerful thing. So it really excites me 
um, especially when when things are challenging. You know, we're trying to push the status quo, and it's not easy work, but um, right. but I love it. So it's cl it's clear you love it. You know, one of the things that uh, I find incredibly interesting is that, and I wish more associations had them, but I don't think we find very many chief experience officers at associations just yet. Which when you think about what associations talk about all the time, it's, oh, we want to see membership, member engagement, right? Which all, by the way, correlates to the member experience. And so I'm just wondering what your perspective is, you know, as you're talking about customizing the message and speaking the language, like as you think about creating experience and you're a chief experience officer, what's your philosophy and take on like how we do that nowadays? Like how should organizations be looking at the lens of creating experience? I mean, that's a great question. And I'm going to give you credit here, Lowell, because I took your uh, association uh, boot camp and you taught a class on volunteers, I believe. I don't know if you remember that. And um, it was a really good course. And it talked about the journey of a member and volunteer. And I think from what I recall, you were an enthusiast for beer, right? You belong to this beer. And I hope I'm not blowing up your spot here. Nope, nope. It, it, it's true. <laughs> I have certification. I'm okay with it. And you gave an example. You gave a cool example. You got us intrigued. And, and um, you got to really map out that journey. And if you serve a diverse community, for example, where I work, American Physical Society, we represent physicists. And we're trying to expand um, beyond just academia in the U.S., but internationally, um, early career um, industry, for example. And to be to do that, you really have to think about there's no one size fits all approach. There never was. And every, you know, you got to personalize your experiences um, and you look at things holistically. So what you were describing in that exercise with volunteers is map out that journey and every interaction they have with you is part of that journey. And so think, how can you make it so that um, you know, they feel recognized in the journey. You're not just selling things and products to them, but they feel the, that emotional connection. They feel like they're part of that bigger, um, that story. And yes, you can take personalized experiences for each segment, but you also have to think about that brand and that story and that storytelling on what is that uni universal diversity brand or that, that North Star. And so I think mapping out those experiences is very important. And with a role like this, APS is definitely leading by example, I think, um, because it allows when you combine, you know, membership or marketing communications, um, the web team is under me as well. You can look at things holistically and help with this kind of role, um, partner with other, the other business units, whatever your business model is, and really look at it that way instead of silos. And I think with a lot of nonprofits, you see a lot of silos and you see a lot of people driven by their own. Uh, goals within their departments. But when you take that approach, like APS did, you're really thinking forward thinking. And especially after COVID, you, you can't rest on your laurels anymore. You really have to think about the full landscape and the full interaction. And, and it's really everybody's job to get good service. It's everybody's wow. job to make members feel thanked when they interact with them. So, I mean, that's, I think it's about continuing that training internally and feeling everybody empowered that they have that role as well, I think. Well, I love within the there the frame of the journey stops along the way and the meaningful experiences that form a journey. You know, for someone who answered a, a Craigslist ad uh, to, now, <laughs> right, to now being the chief experience officer of American Physical Society, that, that's wow. quite a journey. Is there anything else to ask you, any specific 
or meaningful experiences that you had on the journey, right? That were really key moments uh, that stand out to you. Are there one or two that you would identify that were key moments in your journey, key experiences in your journey that sort of have led to your success and growth and leadership that have led you to where you are today? Yeah, that's a great question. And as you mentioned earlier, I'm a microbiologist by study. So look where I am at now. Yeah. What a journey. And it wasn't a straight line either. And as you said, I entered into the nonprofit world at age 23 from a Craigslist ad. And I became a department senior executive at age 26 at the Parental Drug Association. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> How did I do yeah. that? It, it wasn't, it was, it, it was, there was a circumstances, the reason why that happened. But I, I'd like to um, give credit to the professional societies I belong to. So ASAE, for example, Association Latinos is another example. CEO update, I recently joined um, in the past couple of years. I think when you belong to professional societies, especially more than one, you, I think it's important to belong to multiple, especially where you where you grow in your career. Yeah, I think the beauty of it is having an access to a network of professionals. I mean, you're part of my network. I've known you for over a decade, so you've seen oh. that journey. It wasn't a straight line, and what I've learned in my career, even to this day, you know, is that you got to raise your hand and volunteer for things, especially when you get to the C-suite level. Don't lean into the things you're very comfortable about. Mm. Continue growing because you have to lead by example. And when you when you get higher up the ladder chain and you you lean into where you're comfortable, you start micromanaging your staff, and you you gotta be careful um, that you're you know hiring the best people, investing in the best people, and getting out of the way, giving them the resources, inspiring them, and stepping in when you need to provide uh, support and, and, and help the team. So that's how I see it. But really, I think um, that network helped me. And, and I can explain it in one example if, if, if to expand on what I mean by that is uh, I like to call it my wow project. So I think we all have a wow project in your career. All of a sudden, you know, it really changes the direction. And that for me was the implementation of a, an AMS system. So that stands yeah. for, for those who don't know, that's association management system. Uh, yeah. That's your definition. My definition is a headache and sleepless nights. Because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. If anybody has been involved in that project, it's, you never want to do it again. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's, 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 it's a lot, but it was definitely my wow project. Yeah. In this particular instance, it was a million dollar project and I had never done it before, but I just figured it out. Yeah. But you know how I did it? It was leveraging a mentor. Having an executive sponsor coaching me through the process, the CFO at the time. And it was building a team of individuals, of experts, power users, SMEs. And they, believe it or not, they helped me um, deliver the project on time and within budget. Nine months. That's pretty good. I mean, okay, so now I have to ask you. I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that that's not the only example you have in your life of a mentor or a sponsor that's been supportive in your journey. Uh, and you're welcome to give shouts, but my question more so is the frame of mentorship or sponsorship, is that something that you have intentionally sought? Is that something that you look to formally have? Is that something you're always seeking? It's just informal when it happens. Like what, what's your philosophy about mentorship or sponsorship uh, and how it can help accelerate a journey? 
I mean, um, earlier in my career, I just always sought it out because I'm the daughter of an immigrant and I've moved around a lot. And you kind of have to just figure out what's in the environment and you're not afraid to ask for help and seek resources. So I think it's just wire coded in me. But I learned later in my career, I I worked in the WIC network. Um, They help advance women in cable media. And I learned there the importance of executive sponsorship. And the way you get executive sponsorship is you think about in different currencies. It's about relationship building. I think that's very important. It's about doing acts of service for that individual. And, um, you know, eventually when you need an executive sponsor, and and I'll share why I think that's important. You have those two things. It's only natural that they're going to be helping you behind the scenes when you want to get promoted or you want to have an opportunity they're going to endorse you and help you in your career. And, and in my particular case, it was the CFO um, at the Parental Drug Association. But I think that's very important for your career. And I think if you're in a position of power, you can serve in that role too. And I, and I always like to share that with people because that's what helps you get, get further. That helps you with continuous learning. That helps you get on the path you need. But you have to be also willing to try new things, be uncomfortable, um, but if you're surrounded with, uh, you know, mentors, for example, yeah. it doesn't have to be within your organization either. I, I tapped a lot of people outside of my organization because I didn't always have the opportunity at my job and in, in different parts of my career. So I led people by volunteering at ACE, like the Gold Circle Awards, or yeah. I'm in the CAE commission, I mean, CAE exam uh, committee right now, and I'm the chair, and I'm meeting other people and, and learning and um, but I'm also investing now too back into the community and helping others. And I think that's very important. You don't want to build your network for when you need it. I think it's something you continuously nurture and it's in your organization and out. Depending yeah. on the circumstance, there's always an opportunity. You have to seek it though. And um, But I, I'm driven now by supporting and helping and I always have been. And so when I call on somebody, <laughs> they're always willing to help me. Um, and, and it's, that's the powerful thing is that people, when you reach out to them and this database example is, you know, how I figured out the game plan was I reached out to people in the ASAE world and I was part of the Aptify user community. Uh. A lot of them had, uh, had already done research on different systems and I leveraged that. And I, and I said, would you be willing to share anything? And they did. And they told me lessons learned and how they build their team and, and I adopted that and I personalized it um, for where I was at. And, and I do that with everything, even to this day, you know, even to interview for this job, I'll, I'll give a shout out to one of my uh, friends, Juan Amador, you probably know him. Yes, he's he a past rock star. Yeah, he helped coach me through the process. He's a first time CEO and he inspired me to take that leap in my career. And I look to others too, and they're always inspiring me. And I mean, I've seen you do a lot of these interviews and, it, and, and I'm not used to doing this. And But this is another example. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm learning a new skill that's important for my job now. And I think there's so many different ways. And it just, you have to figure out what are your goals, whether it's to help others or help yourself or do both and where you are in that journey. But I think there's lots of opportunities, but it really takes what you put in is what you get out, in my opinion. Yeah. So, Well, the... If you are uncomfortable, it does not show. I mean, I think that <laughs> your your journey is one that shows a lot of examples of for those who are aspiring to also, you know, have success to be rock stars. You know, the concept of seeking mentors and sponsors and to 
not only do what's comfortable so that you grow by finding the uncomfortable are things that I think could really resonate. If we were to uh, look far, far into the future at some point there and you reflect on what you want your legacy to have been with the work that you've done in the association industry, be curious how you would articulate as our time's wrapping up what you would hope that legacy would be someday. Um, well, when I think about this question, I think two things. One, and I know this might sound morbid, but what would be on my tombstone? It's a good exercise. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> or I am also guilty. My guilty pleasure is watching the reality housewives. And what would be my tagline there? <laughs> um, but maybe, I, maybe that's what would be on your tombstone. <laughs> she was on reality housewives. <laughs> She wasn't a CXO. She wasn't a microbiologist. She was a real house. <laughs> no, um, no, I think, you know, when I like, think about this question, I, what can I do to impact change that outlasts me? And so anytime I'm in an organization, I'm always thinking about things that outlast me. I'm not going to be there forever. Who, who can I help, you know, if there's a, a potential, a high potential employee to get in into a higher level role or even implement a succession plan? And I actually did that at the Potential Drug Association, and my colleague is still there, Trevor Swan. Hello, Trevor, um, if you're listening. But really, if all jokes aside, I would like to be remembered uh, that I took my work seriously, but not myself. Mm, I love that. Well, as, as always, uh, speaking with you, time flies, and there's so many amazing uh, insights, nuggets, drops of wisdom you've given us today. Thank you so much for spending time and sharing your journey with us. Can I plug one more thing before we end? Of course, yes. Um, I'm half Peruvian from my mom's side. Yeah. And today's Peruvian Independence Day. Oh. I'd like to shout out to my mom and to all my Peruvian colleagues or any Latinos or anybody who wants to celebrate. Um, I am biased, but I think Peruvian alfajores, which are cookies, are the best. So go to your local Peruvian restaurant or bakery and or to your fellow Peruvian uh, friends and wish them well today. And I know I'm going to celebrate after this. And it's just been a pleasure talking to you, Lowell. Thank you for making me feel comfortable. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing this space with me. And thank you to, of course, Amy, who's been on the back end, helping to have dialogue over all the social media channels and to everyone who tuned in today and all the time as we are able to celebrate and learn from amazing leaders in our community. If you're going to ASAE, this is right before it. We hope to see you there. Uh, and we will catch you next month on Association Rockstars. Until then, Association Rock On.